0: Let's go right into the word this morning. If you have your Bible or you've got it on your phone, we'll be in Genesis 26 for the entirety of the message. Genesis chapter 26. If you enjoyed being in his presence and worship, somebody say amen. Amen. While you're turning there and we're getting ready, I want to encourage you and invite you to something. I wasn't going to do this, but I feel like the Lord changed my mind this morning and I shared it with nine o'clock. I'll share it with you here. Uh, this evening at five o'clock, I'm doing an ordination ceremony for um, a few people here at New Grace who have been led to pursue a ministry endeavor, and I'm going to commission and charge them tonight and encourage them. We're going to do it at five o'clock. There's not going to be any childcare. It's not a formal organized event or a worship gathering like we have on Sunday morning, but, um, I, I will say uh, we're going to have a good time in God tonight, and so I, I just I feel led to invite you if you want to be here. It's not going to be an atmosphere for young children. I wouldn't advise bringing your kids or nothing. So if you can't come, stay at home and pray for us. But if you can come, um, we'll be in here at five o'clock. It's just going to be an intimate, sensitive, sweet setting. And uh, if you're anything kind of like I am on Sundays, I really just can't get enough. Um, you know, back uh, you know, a decade ago, I was used to preaching six times a week and um, only do it about twice. And so me and God are talking about ways I can do more and more in that. And so I get to do a little bit of that tonight. Um, it's impossible for me to get up in front of people with the word in hand and not do a little bit of it. And so uh, we're going to do some of that tonight at 5 o'clock. Again, no child care, but if you can come, uh, you're welcome to be a part of that. Genesis 26, I want you to pray for me as we read the text and uh, pray for me. Help me by praying for me because I am going to attempt to help you. And I'm not preaching to the unbeliever this morning. I'm not preaching to babes in Christ Everybody that's been saved, been a Christian for over 12 months, I want you to raise your hand. All right, buckle up. Genesis 26, verse number one, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Skip down to verse number six, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Skip down to verse number 17. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerard did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not, and he called the name of it Railboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Five times in the text we see that Isaac and his servants dig. Spirit of God, I ask you right now just to take this word, let it be fresh, let it be new. I preach myself empty at 9 o'clock, and now I ask you for a fresh touch and anointing of your spirit to not only rest upon me, but run right through me. And help me to preach and encourage your people. Help me to be a help and a blessing. May you get glory, great glory out of this. May people drink from the fountain. May people taste and see that the Lord is good. May you take every person in this room that has been saved over the time period of 12 months. May you sanctify them. May you fill them to overflowing. And may your presence have liberty to move and speak this morning. Let us drink and know that you are the Lord. Do like you've done many times and embrace us with your presence. We welcome it. We want it. We desire for it and we need it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, today God wants to know, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Look at the person next to you and tell them, I can dig it. Go ahead and tell them, I can dig it. Look to the person on the other side of you, the one you were hoping you could ignore, and tell them, I can dig it. I can dig it. Before we expand this idea of what it means to, quote unquote, dig it, let's dig into Genesis 26 to understand the context of our story and the setting in which Isaac has found himself. There's a famine in the land, and a famine is basically a time of hunger that's related to a shortage of crops. A shortage of crops is the result of a drought. There's been no rain. So needless to say, there is no water in the land, and Isaac is in a dry season. During this dry season, Isaac has found himself in the land of Gerar. Gerar in the Hebrew means a lodging place, which means a temporary place. And that tells us that Isaac is not only in a dry season, but Isaac is in a transition. And due to a mistake, a foolish mistake, a lack of wisdom on Isaac's part, He has jeopardized himself, his family, and the people of Gerar. And he's relocated out of the city to a place called the Valley of Gerar. So by observation of the text, we see that Isaac is not only in a dry season. Isaac is not only in a place of transition, but Isaac is in a low place. For he is in a valley. And regardless of how favored and how blessed... How chosen Isaac is of the Lord. He is not exempt from this place in his life. May I submit to you that not very long ago, I myself was in a dry season. That's right. Your pastor was in a place where he felt like he had ran out of water spiritually. I was dried up. I was dehydrated. The things that used to stir me weren't stirring me anymore. The things that used to persuade me weren't persuading me anymore. The places... Where I used to be filled were no longer filling me and I felt like I was running on fumes and running on empty and I was in a dry season. I found myself in the middle of transition and maybe you know how this is. Sometimes when you're in transition, you're not where you were, but you're not quite where you're supposed to be and you're just kind of stuck. And this temporary place feels like a permanent place and that's where I was at. I felt like I was dry. I felt like I was in the middle of transition I felt like I was just in a valley emotionally, mentally, and ultimately spiritually. The thing about a valley is you're in a place of decline. You're not on the mountain like you were, and you're in a low place. And if you stay in a low place long enough, it becomes a lonely place. And a lonely place eventually evolves into a lost place. Now, maybe you're in this room and you've just got your act together and you've got the recipe for Christian perfection already figured out. Please see me after service and share the ingredients. I would love to know how you cook that up. But the reality is from my left to the right, from the front to the back, this room is filled with people right now who more than likely have faced their fair share of dry seasons. Maybe there's some people that have found themselves stuck in what was supposed to be temporary, felt like it was going to be permanent. And I believe there are some people emotionally, mentally, maybe financially, maybe relationally, and maybe most of all spiritually, you're just in a low place in your life. You're no longer on the mountain. The the smiles on your face are as fake as a mannequin. And you're just going through the motions when you come into this room. I want to tell you this morning, you are probably finding yourself just like Isaac, a place where you have to do something about where you're at. Isaac had to find sustenance. He had to find a way to survive. He had to do something for himself, his family, his entourage, and his flocks. Why? Because Isaac was in need of water, and so was everybody that was with him. Reality is there's a lot riding on the line for this guy. There's a whole lot at stake. So what would Isaac do? What kind of decision was Isaac about to make? And the Bible teaches and tells us that Isaac just decided to dig it. He decided to dig it. And, ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you this morning you got to do what Isaac did, and you just got to dig it. You got to dig it while you're in this dry season. You got to dig it while you're in this transition. You got to dig it while you're living low in the valley. Somebody in this room needs to get a hold of their spirit-led shovel and go to work this morning and dig it. You may ask the question, Pastor D, how do I dig? How do I dig it, as you say, where I'm at right now in life? How do I dig it in this valley, this transition, this dry season? How do I, how do I dig my way through such a thing? Well, look at Genesis 26. Look at the word to find out what Isaac did. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 17. Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. Verse number 18. And Isaac digged. Isaac digged. God told me to tell you this. If you want to dig it, the first thing you have to do is you got to dig in. I said you got to dig in. Isaac decided to start digging in his valley During the famine, he did not jump to conclusions that he would have to venture somewhere else to find water. No, in fact, he resolved in his mind and in his spirit to dig in right where he was. Isaac actually believed that even in the valley, even in this low place of my life, even in this time of desperation, this time of despair where I am dehydrated and I don't have any energy left, I'm still going to dig in because there's got to be running water somewhere. May I submit to you, maybe God wants you to make the most of where you are in this season and just dig in. Don't buy into the lie that you need to be at another place in your life. Don't buy into the lie that you need a different marriage you need another home. You need another church. You need another set of kids. You need to go out there and experience a midlife crisis all over again and get you another life. You don't need another set of beliefs. You don't need another set of values. My God, I'm about to preach to somebody in this room. Maybe, just maybe, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. Maybe God saw this transition. Maybe God saw the depths of this valley. Maybe God saw the out in the land. And maybe God today is handing you a shovel and he's commissioning you to just dig in where you're at. Are you in a dry season? Honey, just dig in. Are you in transition? Honey, just dig in. Are you down in the valley? Honey, just dig in. Dig in, dig in, dig in. The funny thing is, the lower the valley, the closer you are to the water. See, you're actually closer to the water when you're in the valley than you are when you're up there in the clouds on the mountain. Isaac knew he would have to dig in or else his family and his flocks and his servants would die of thirst if nothing changed. Sure, he could set up camp and he could wait on clouds and wait for it to rain or he could get his shovel and dig in until he got down to the springs. Isaac had to dig in. He knew it was a matter of life or death and sometimes you have to do what Isaac did and you have to just dig in you can sit back and wait on the rain clouds and trust Ken cook if you want to but God told me to tell you it's time to grab your shovel plant your feet where you're at and just dig in you got too much riding on you you got too much on the line so if you're not gonna dig for yourself dig for your kids dig for your grandbabies dig for the brethren Dig for the sisters, dig for the believers, dig for unbelievers, dig for the kingdom, dig for the church, dig for his namesake. If you can't find any other reason to dig, look to the left and the right, grab your shovel and dig in where you are. Reality is you've come too far. Think about this. You have come too far to die of spiritual dehydration. You have been through too much. In your life Look at the last 12 months alone Look back here last year at this time Look at all the things you've been exposed to And all the things you've experienced And all the things that happened to you Over the last 12 months And you're going to let a dry season Be the thing that puts you six foot under You're going to let a dry season Be the thing that causes you to tap out And throw in the towel I want to tell you it's time to dig in Like this is a matter of life Or death See, digging in, listen to this digging in is about the will. It's about the will, the will to survive. See, I found something out. Thirsty people will dig in. Because thirsty people are driven by desperation. This is deeper than desire this is a desperation. It's a I have to. It's a I got to. It's a I must. And that's why Isaiah 44 three said this. The Lord spoke for the prophet and said, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. You need to change your attitude and change your mind and get a declaration in your spirit that says, I am so thirsty that I'm willing to dig in right where I'm at and my thirst is driving me to dig so with that ladies and gentlemen I charge you and say this morning dig in when you're under satanic oppression and hell is on the front porch knocking down the door I want to tell you to dig in dig in to the Holy Ghost get a hold of your covering get locked loaded armed and dangerous plant your feet and say upon this rock God is building this church the gates of hell won't prevail against what God has put in my heart to do. My children belong to the Lord. My property belongs to the Lord. My calling belongs to the Lord. And hell can assail against me. Though a thousand fall at the left side and the right side, I've got the Lord on my side. So I'm digging in where I'm at and I'm fighting oppression and hell by the acre. I'm digging into my Holy Spirit prayer. When you're starving for a word and you feel like the wells run dry, dig into the text dig into the scripture dig into the wisdom and the knowledge of God and let the water of his word blow up inside of your spirit and bring revival to your mind, revival to your life, revival to your home. When you're in a place where you're tempted to doubt God, go ahead and dig into your faith and say God didn't let me down back then, God didn't let me down yesterday and if he had never let me down before I don't see any reason why he's going to start right now. I'm digging into my faith because I know he's able and I know he's faithful. I'm digging in and I'm going to trust him at his word. When you're hit with suffering when you're hit with suffering dig into the pain and praise your way through. Uh, some of y'all don't believe it's possible, but I want to tell you you'd be surprised how many knees knock in hell when you start praising God despite what's coming against you. Sometimes you got to dig into your worship and you got to sing your way through. Sometimes you got to dig into your worship and praise your way through. Sometimes you don't have any words and you got to lean on the Holy Ghost to pray through you. Sometimes you got to dig in and hmm your way through. Sometimes you got to dig in and walk your way through. I wonder if I got anybody toting a shovel this morning that says I don't need another place in life. I'm not waiting on the dry season to end. I'm playing my feet right here in this valley and I'm digging in. I'm digging in. When I'm dried out and I feel like I'm stuck, I'm just going to dig in And dig for the well of water I know is beneath my feet. I'm digging in this one. See, this is about the will. This is about the will that rises up inside of you and fights like hell for your marriage. And fights for your kids. This is the will that fights for your church in the name of Jesus. This is the will that rises up inside of you and says there must be water I can drink again. I'm fighting to survive. That's what digging in. Digging in is about the will to continue. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 18, Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. So if you want to dig it, you don't just have to dig in. You got to dig out. You have to dig out. Church, Isaac wasn't just digging a random hole in the ground trying to find water. Now, although arguably he could have, he could have just dug deep anywhere he wanted to until the water started to flow out of the ground. But there was a little bit of intentionality behind this digging expedition of Genesis 26 because Isaac, listen to me now, Isaac was digging in a place where water used to flow. Did you hear the text? He was digging in the place where his daddy had originally dug a well. He was digging in a spot where wells were previously used. Like in the very valley that Isaac was at, there was running water beneath his feet. While the world was drying up and dying, Isaac had a river running under him. And in order, To feel the flow of the waters that ran beneath, he would first have to dig out after digging in. For Isaac, the wells that used to flow openly have now been covered and closed up. The Bible says the Philistines have come after his daddy died and they filled them with earth and dirt And we learn that Abraham is not the only thing buried in Isaac's life. So he's not just digging in. Isaac's having to do some digging out. See, digging in is about the will. Digging out is about the well. This is a matter of the well. Because if the well is going to flow like it used to, Isaac and his servants I've got to spend some time digging the well out. And God brought me over here at 11 a.m. to tell you, just like I told him at 9 a.m., you've got some digging out to do because the water was meant to flow. But the reality is you've got some things that have dammed up the well. And the water that is still there is no longer flowing because you haven't done any digging out. See, your well isn't dry. It's dirty. Your well isn't dry. It's got too much debris in it. And as a result of all the dirt and all the debris, your well is damned. You, You think drought can dry your well? What kind of God do you think you serve? What kind of God do you think loves you? What kind of God do you think resides inside of you? What kind of God do you think made himself at home in your life? This ain't a matter of the well running dry. You just got too much dirt and debris damming up the well. Oh, maybe, maybe the flow has been restricted. Mm, can I preach to you for a second? Maybe the flow has been restricted. Maybe the water has been cut off by the earth that's in the way. And it's no mystery, ladies and gentlemen. There's plenty of dirt, plenty of debris that can dam up the flow that's coming in your well. Let I me mean, think about it. How easy, how easy is it to settle for dirty drinking water? A little bit of dirt gets in the water. Pastor Derek, does, 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 does dirt ever get in your water? Are you kidding me? Am I made out of the same thing you are? Do I put my pants on the same way you do? Yes. You and I are just as fragile and just as frail. And I am just as dependent on the Lord as you are. The reality is dirt can get in anybody's drinking water. But what's scary is how we settle for it. You taste that dirty drinking water. You've allowed that dirt, whatever you may say it is, whatever God really knows it is, and you drink it, and it's awful. I used to drink this kind of stuff. This, I used to allow this kind of stuff. I used to be okay with this kind of stuff. But now that i got a clean well and God resign, can't, I can't handle this. It just doesn't taste right anymore. Right? Right? Isn't that, that, that how it is now? I just can't. But, but, but if you're not careful, you just tolerate it. And more and more dirt gets in the water, and you just allow it, and you adjust to it, and you compromise. You make exceptions for it. And before you know it, you've settled with it. And now dirty water in the well becomes your new normal. This is just the way it is now. I'm just going to have this habit hang around my life forever. I'm always going to have this kind of mindset. I'm always going to talk with this kind of mouth. I'm always going to feel this way about her. I'm always going to look at these things. I'm always going to struggle with these thoughts. I mean, hey, man, come on. I'm just, you know, I'm human. God God knows I'm human. I mean, I'm just, hey, I ain't going to lie, man. I'm real. I'm keeping it real. Yeah, you real stupid and you real dirty. I'm just keeping it real. I see that. I see that. Real dirty and real damned. Reality is what we used to choke on, we've now settled with. We've now allowed into the bottom of our well. And before long, you won't even have any water left to drink because the whole well gets damned. And maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's where you are right now. And maybe that's, that's why your praise is suffocating and your worship is suffocating and your prayers are suffocating. Maybe, maybe you've let the dirt dam up your well this year. Ah, you know what dirt tastes like when you taste it. Don't nobody have to tell you it's dirt. You know it's dirt. A good litmus test is some of those things you've allowed in the well that you said wasn't dirt, but you knew it was dirt, and you subconsciously knew it was dirt because you started off asking questions to people that were more mature than you, like, hey, is it a sin if I dot, 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 dot? If you have to ask, it probably is. Is it okay if I... If you're already leading in with that question, more than likely, you already know the answer. And we, we let the well get dirty and it gets dammed up. And then we, we begin to miss out on the flow that was meant to come from our own well. Because sin damns the well of intimacy. And this is connected to our conscience. And that's why... One of the reasons... One of the reasons there have probably been 2,000 people come through this auditorium in the last few years, but there's only a few hundred, is because I have enough guts and boldness to tell them when there's dirt in the well. Bible preaching always shines a light on what's at the bottom of the well. And a lot of people aren't willing to dig out what's in the way And they'd rather just stay home than get convicted. Like, I don't have to feel what I feel if I can stay home and not go there and hear that guy preach. It damns intimacy that you have with God. And that's why during the worship, some of us wanted to praise him. Some of us wanted to enjoy him. Some of us wanted to come pray. But we were reminded like David in Psalm 51, our sin was ever before us. And instead of tasting the water of his goodness, we're thinking about the dirt that has built up in the well. We don't feel worthy to praise him. We we say things like, if I'm going to live like this, I don't need to be going to church. On the contrary, more reason to come. If I'm going to say these kind of words, I have no business reading that Bible. If I'm going to struggle with these kind of habits, I have no business trying to pray. God's not interested in me tracking dirt into his throne room. Let me tell you something. God put the Holy Spirit inside of you for a reason, to sanctify you Daily, to purge and wash you daily, so that when you come into his presence, you can experience the intimacy that you were meant to have with God. But what dirt does is it dams up the well of intimacy. So when you have sex before marriage, you feel condemned when you sit in a place of worship. When you know something good to do, but you refuse to do it, you feel like there's a constriction on the intimacy. Listen to me. When you have dirt in the well, it's not a matter of severed relationship. It's a matter of severed fellowship. You get it backwards. Because the devil tells you if you were saved, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have thought that. You wouldn't have looked at that. You wouldn't have clicked on that. You wouldn't have downloaded that. Oh, it's getting quiet in this room. God hasn't broken relationship with you. Can you unborn a child? There's nothing I can do on this planet that will change the fact my dad's sitting right there. Nothing. I could change my name, but the blood record shows that is my father. Now, can I do something to break fellowship with him? Absolutely. Can I break relationship with him? No. No. And what dirt does is it cuts off the intimacy flow between you and God. And it sears your conscience. And you walk into places of worship. You go into personal devotion. You have the Spirit of the Lord speak to you. But there's a constriction in the flow of intimacy because you've got too much dirt in the well. Dirt doesn't just dam up the well of intimacy, dirt dams up the well of joy. It'll take the joy right out of you. It will, it'll suck you dry. You'll be miserable. What's the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. It spiritually kills you. It pulls the praise out of you. It dries your worship out of you. You can't, you feel like, you know what? You feel like you can't even pray. It's not there. And some of us in this room, you've only been here six months and you're already dry. Six months. When you came in here, you were high as a kite. I mean, like when you came here, you got high as a kite, like in a good way. Well, some of us came here high as a kite, but. You came here and God began to speak to you and you began to feel revived and resurrected. You were like a dead man coming alive, a sleeping man coming awake, and your eyes were opened up and your spirit was tuned in. And and what? You've allowed dirt to just slowly filter itself into the water, and now you've got this damned well. And there's no joy. And here's the deal. It is not a mystery what you need to dig out. You know what it is. For some of us, it's just one vice grip sin on our life. And it's the one thing that suffocates our joy. This one thing. And every time you do it or allow it or give in to it or settle for it, what happens? It just kills the flow in your life. Sin damns the well of power which is connected to God's capability in our life. I can't walk out of that curtain. I can't walk through there coming from the office where I sit and soak, and then coming through here to get on this stage, I can't do it unless I've dug everything I can out of the well. Because a week will go by, and look, let me tell you something, that's not the only time I go in there and start digging stuff out. I don't get up here and preach and then live however all week long and then come up here again the next Sunday and right before I get up, go, all right, Lord, now all that stuff I did this week, I'm sorry about it. Repentance is a biblical word that has biblical meaning and it has real life meaning in your life. Repentance means to turn from something. It means to turn from something. Repentance repentance doesn't look like this Sorry, sorry go back to it, sorry go back to it sorry go back to it, sorry go back to it sorry go back to it, sorry go back to it Because it sounds like you're dealing with emotional sorrow, not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow has a distaste, a disdain for whatever that thing is that could possibly damn the well. And so when you repent, you turn from it. Are you above or beyond ever falling back to it? No. As long as you're wrapped in this box, with this body, with this skin, and this flesh, you are always susceptible to fall back to it. But there's a godly sorrow that drives, repels you away from the very... Everything it is. And when you dig something out, you see it for what it is. And some of us have lost sight of sin for what it is. No wonder you have no power on your life. No wonder the words you speak over your children are not anointed. There's no power on your life. No wonder there's no, there's, no, there's no power on the wisdom or the counsel in which you give to other people that you can't even practice. There's no power on your life. No wonder you're weak and depleted and dehydrated and you commit the same silly sin over and over and over like a slave to it. Chains have been broken. Prison doors have fallen away. And you are free from the very thing you're acting like you're a slave to. No wonder there's no power on your life. There's no water coming up from the well because you've let it get damned with all the dirt. The reality is sin will damn the very well that's supposed to bring you life. And you know what? Maybe it's not even dirt. Maybe for some of us it's debris. Debris is not necessarily dirt. Debris is not necessarily sin. Debris is not necessarily something wrong. You know, you can have some good things get in the way of the well, and they be debris. Just excess stuff that didn't originally belong there. Stuff that God never planned on being there. And what happens is we get our order out of order, our priorities out of order, and we let stuff be more valued than the water that's in the well. Am I preaching at 11 a.m. to anybody yet? Maybe It's not God's fault that you're dry. Maybe it's not God's fault that you're unplugged. Maybe it's not God's fault that you are just blah. There's a time... When I was running that first point, and you'd have been one of the first people on your feet going, oh, I'm all over that. Yeah, give me the shovel, preacher. I'm digging with you. But now you sit there just defeated, going through the motions. You told so many people no so that you could make it to worship gatherings on Sunday. There was nothing, and nobody would have kept you from being in this place. And now you are taking every excuse the devil throws at you on Sundays. You go through the motions with the people you work with, and, and you know what, here's what's scary, the thing they originally said about you is coming true. It's a phase, it's a phase. They'll be back, they'll be back. Well, Johnny got religion, but hey, we know Johnny, guys, he'll be back. And you can't ever go back, but you're just a shell of what you were because you've got a damned well. Maybe you need to dig it out. Maybe, maybe today is a day where you say, you know what, I am sick of living this way. I'm sick of experiencing God like this. I'm sick of being a Christian like this. I am, I am tired of watching that man get up there and have such a darn good time. And the reality is he's got the same amount of access to the water that I've got. Why is he enjoying it? Why are these people around me enjoying it? How come when I read the Bible, I don't see any of me or my life in there? I am so sick of being dehydrated. I'm sick of in a drought. And you know what the reality is? It's not God's fault I'm dry. It's mine. And I'm going to dig it out. Somebody give God some praise this morning. (laughs) Let me close. Verse number 19, Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. A well of springing water. If you want to dig it, you got to dig in. Everybody say, dig in. in. If you want to dig it, you got to dig out. Everybody say, dig out. out. If you want to dig it, you got to dig deep. Everybody say, "Dig dig deep. Isaac and his servants dug deep. They dug deep in the ground all the way until they finally hit the water. And based on the text, until the water hit them. I can see Isaac and his servants standing there in the valley. And Isaac says, all right, boys, let's start digging. And they dig in. And nothing happens. they start digging out. And nothing happens. And Isaac says, keep digging. Don't stop. Let's keep digging. And they dig deep nothing happens. And they dig deep, nothing happens. And they dig deep, nothing happens. And Isaac takes the shovel and he digs deeper and deeper and deeper. He's pouring with sweat. His shoulders, his arms, his hands are tired. His fingers are calloused. The sun blaring down on him in the noonday heat as the drought as the drought-parched world around him sucks the life right out, and he keeps digging and digging and digging, and all of a sudden, eventually the water begins to bubble up out of the ground, and it bursts. As the Scripture says, it bursts like a springing river up out of the ground. Isaac dug deep until he found the water. And that's what you're going to have to do you are going to have to get your shovel and you are going to have to dig deep until the water starts flowing again. I need every believer in this room that is sick and tired of the dry season and and tired of feeling like this valley is forever, I need you to look at me wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and I want you to listen to me. It's up to you to dig deep. It's up to you to dig. And if nothing happens... God told me to tell you, dig again. I said, dig and if nothing happens, dig again. Pray and if nothing happens, pray again. Read it and if nothing happens, read it again. Give it and if nothing happens, give it again. Trust and if nothing happens, trust again. Rejoice and if nothing happens, rejoice again. Praise Him and if nothing happens, praise him again. Dig, and if nothing happens, dig again. Dig deep until the water begins to flow. See, digging digging in is about the will. Digging out is about the well. You ready for some alliteration? But digging deep is about the water. Digging deep is about the water. In fact, verse number 19 says it was a It was a well of springing, that's the word used there in Genesis 26, springing water, which has four basic meanings. It means lively and vigorous, which means it came bursting out like a raging river. It means alive and living, which means it was the resource that would bring and sustain life. It means reviving, which means the water served as a drink of renewal and refreshment during the weary dry season. And it means fresh, which likens this water to new water that has not yet been tasted. God told me to tell you in this room, you need to dig until the spring begins to flow again. Oh, have you already forgotten that water in our Bible represents the person and the work of the Holy Ghost? Ah, I feel a little bit of water coming out of the surface. Water refers to the person and work of the Holy Ghost. Unless you're old school Pentecostal, water refers to the work and the person of the Holy Ghost. John 7, 38, Jesus said this, He that believeth on me... As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Do you remember that verse in Isaiah 44 that I read to you? For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. He said this, I will pour my Spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. John four fourteen. As Jesus stood next to the Samaritan well, and commissioned the lady of Samaria. He said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Ah, in Old Testament typology, when describing the millennial river of healing, Ezekiel pictured and foreshadowed the Holy Spirit as a river which flowed from the temple. A river in which Ezekiel waded into, starting at his ankles, to his knees, to his waist, and then he got in over his head. And you have forgotten that you are the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is the river. The river running below the surface. The river deep down inside of you. See right here, do y'all feel the wall I'm preaching against? Have you noticed there's some spirit warfare in the room trying to distract you right Right now, trying to get you to daydream right now. See, I'm getting the most important part of the sermon. And right now, some of y'all are a little too comfortable. You're a little too comatose. But see, a long time ago, I was around old men of God that got in a service like this. And they'd get a Holy Ghost-led shovel. And they'd keep on digging and keep on digging and keep on digging. Which means I'm going to keep on preaching and keep on preaching and keep on preaching. Have you ever dug deep? And found Holy Spirit river water springing out of the well inside of you. Have you ever been in a place where you dug deep and all of a sudden the Spirit of God brought a timely word, a verse that rose up in your mind, slapped you in the face, and became the very water in which you needed? And it got you through a dry spell. It got you through a dry time. Have you ever dug deep and found a faith that helped you believe against all odds, like trying to raise $500,000 in 90 days. Have you ever dug deep and found a worship that flowed out of your brokenness, out of your suffering, out of your pain, out of your hurt, out of your wounds? Have you ever had a worship just run wild inside of you in the middle of a worship service? Everybody else was going through the motions, but all of a sudden God stepped out of heaven and crawled all over your soul, and you got a bad case of the can't help us, and you started praising God, unashamed, unafraid, and unapologetic. How long has it been for some of us in this room since we got the shovel of God's word, and we dug deep until the waters flowed again? I'm preaching to some folk in this room. It's been a long time since you felt the flow But I wonder if right now in this worship gathering, you can plant your feet, grab your shovel with the preacher, and start digging deep into some gratitude. Dig deep into some praise. Dig deep into celebration. Dig deep into the joy of the Lord. Dig deep into the faithfulness of our God. Can somebody help me? Plant your feet. Praise him right now and dig deep. I'm digging deep. I'm digging deep. I'm the temple and he's the river and if I can dig deep enough and get to the water starts flowing, oh my God, it's something you can't shut off. There ain't no valve in this victory, baby. It just starts running wide open. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I had a week this week, maybe, maybe it was what God was going to speak through me, had to first speak to me. And man, I was all at the house by myself. And I just, I just plugged back in. And I just, I went to digging into the well that's been there for 19 years now. And I started digging into some of that worship and some praise. And I just called a little time out on my day. And minimized my Google Calendar with the endless list of tasks that I had to do for the ministry. And I just silenced my phone and turned it over. Got distraction free. Stepped over the threshold of my prayer closet and shut the door. (laughs) And I put on some Anthony Brown in group therapy. I put on some Daryl Walls. I put on some Elevation Worship. I wish New Grace had an album I would have put it on. I even put on some Kanye West. The fact those words are walking out of his mouth, a mouth and a tongue that used to mock and blaspheme and oppose the Godhead of heaven, and the fact that God's using him like the puppet and glove to speak those words. I just sat there. And I just, I took a time out and I dug deep into gratitude. Yes. Not because we're about to get the turkey out, <laughs> had nothing to do with November. I just sat there and I just, I dug deep into my gratitude. I started counting my blessings. We're real good at counting all of our curses. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But I started counting my blessings. Because if you ever count them at the same time, you'll eventually run out of curses and you just keep on counting <laughs> blessings. This was this week before yesterday when Ashley rearranged our home to look like freaking Christmas. <laughs> got a big old picture of the kids on the wall and I got looking at my kids. I got thinking about over the last few months, the turn of this year. That transition I felt like was never going to end. I was so low and I had to come in here with a cape around my shoulders and a big S on my chest and tell you that God was faithful when I was wondering what the heck God was doing. And I let a little bit of dirt get in the way and I let a whole lot of debris get in the way. I started convincing myself that the water wouldn't flow anymore. I actually got to a point at the turn of 2019 where I had convinced myself mentally where I had allowed myself to be convinced mentally that I was a set-up man and that God was positioning our church where it was so that I could just get out of the way, that God providentially brought Jake and Courtney here, that Pastor Jeff was stepping into the role he was stepping into, and I even started going as far as starting to question myself, maybe this divorced man really don't need to be pastoring this church. And I tried to walk away from the well. The problem, when you're the temple, (laughs) when you're the temple, the river runs through the temple. And so wherever the temple goes, the river goes with it. (laughs) And I just, I got to thinking this week, about how amazing my marriage is and what God has preserved it through and protected it through. And I got to thinking about my kids. And I got to thinking about how my kids have been asking so many questions. And they get in the car and tell me, hey, I told a girl about the rapture today. And I'm like, what? You, did, you, told, you told somebody about the rapture of the church? Yeah, yeah. And I got to thinking about what God's doing on Wednesday nights and our students right now. And I got to thinking about the pressure and the responsibility of this next step we're taking as a church that scares the devil out of my flesh, but it doesn't even scrape the surface on my spirit. And I just pushed pause. And I had some worship music on, and I had the Word in my lap. And right there in the very throne room of glory, I didn't need an elevator or an escalator to get there. Because when the river runs inside of you, all you got to do is dig deep. And I just started talking to him, and he started talking back. And I started bragging on him and telling him how big he was, and how good he was, and how great he was, and how holy he was and how I, I was sorry that I had harbored a few things. I let a few dirty pieces into my life and started coming up with reasons why I could keep it. And I just started laying that all out in front of God, and I started letting God love on me, and I started loving on him, and I just let, I dug deep into some gratitude, baby. No turkey, no dressing, just deep into the gratitude, and I started loving on God, and he started loving on me, and I'm gonna tell you something. That river got to rolling. That river inside of me got to raging. I took turned my mourning into praise. I turned my weeping into joy. I turned my frown upside down and I started reflecting on the goodness of God in my life. Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since you thought about the goodness of God in your life? I don't know about you, but when I think about how good the Lord has been to me, in. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to run. It makes me want to clap. It makes me want to stand. It makes me want to joy. It makes me want to say, hey, there ain't nobody like Jesus. And the river of worship runs. The river of prayer runs. The river of his word just runs. Maybe maybe God brought you to new grace to teach you how to dig your own well. I mean heck it's well according to that clock it's 1.30. You know, have you noticed have y'all noticed this the, the gatherings have taken a long time lately? Have y'all noticed that? Like what's wrong with that guy, you know? No, it's not a long time with God. And I you know what I drove I drove I drove away from here uh, two weeks ago. It was last week. And you and, and here's the deal, man. You you can't you can't gauge church growth with numbers anymore based on a Sunday morning crowd. I don't mean crap. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. I've seen this place pack wall to wall and the offering be twelve hundred bucks. That's a crowd. That's a crowd. Rolling Stones get more in a concert than that. That's a crowd. A church is something God's built, building internally. And he's trying to teach us how to worship, get in his presence. Because lost people need something real, more than an emotional experience, more than a performance, more than a theatrical set. They need something that's real. And if you light something on fire, people will come watch it burn. And I drove away from here and the devil jumped on my shoulder and said, You idiot. If you keep talking about sin and you keep preaching Jesus so bold and you keep letting the Spirit of God do what he's doing, you're going to chase them people off because you know, and this is just me and y'all talking right here, okay? I'm just telling y'all. If you know if you keep doing that junk, then people are going to get tired of sitting there and they're going to go somewhere where they can get out in 59 minutes. They're going to go somewhere where when the guy's, Getting close to 1150, the head deacon's going to shake his Mickey Mouse watch. And that preacher's going to start wrapping it up. They're going to get Ethel over there on the keys and they're going to wrap it up. You can't keep preaching like that, man. You got to make people feel good. Let's send them to hell with a smile on their face. Let's just tell them, hey, bow your head, say this prayer real quick. Alright, you're good. Here's your get out of hell free card. Go pick up where you left off. I can't sleep at night. I can't. I can't sleep. I can't sleep at night. And and um, and I can't shut it down when he's moving. I can't I can't shut it down when he's moving. And I am respons- and, and, and and here's the deal. Today marks the shift in a season of our church. Yeah. It's been all in my spirit. Today marks the shift of a season in our church. I know what God's put on the menu for me to start preaching on, and it's, it's stuff that's going to get water up out of the well. It's going to turn some of you into worshipers. Mm-hmm. It's going to turn some. It's going to help some. There's some grown men up in here who, who, who know how to worship at a ball game. You do. You know how to worship at a ball game. But if it comes to you getting glad, happy, or externally celebratory over the things of God, you would never do that in front of your wife and kids. And this next season of our church is going to crack the shell on your temple. Now, I gave you a disclosure. If you don't want, if you don't want God to start messing around and monkeying around with you, you better go somewhere else because it's about to get wild up in here. We're going to break away from this Sunday morning robotic religion. We're going to throw some fifth Wednesday night worships, and we're going to have some random prayer meetings, and they're not going to be at convenient times. Sometimes it's going to take some sacrifice. You're going to have to miss a nap or some Sunday night football and come in here and grab the horns of the altar and let the horns of the altar grab you and see how bad you want to get a drink from the well that runs underneath you. I can't, I can't have 60-minute church services where you look at me and i look at you and you walk out of here with your best life now. I got to know I did what God called and told me to do, and you better know you worship the Lord when you were in his presence. Here's the lie. Here's the lie Isaac refused to believe. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Speaking of lies, I think I say that all the time that I preach like another fifteen or twenty minutes. Here's the lie Isaac refused to believe. That well has seen its better days. The Isaac the, the lie that Isaac refused to believe is that there's no more water left in that well, and it'll never flow again. You know, we, we say we're a, a baby church. We're really not a baby church anymore. We're really not. It has nothing to do with longevity. Maturity is not related to physical age. Okay? You can, you can be 60 years old, but be 18 months old in the Lord. You can be saved 30 years and still be 18 months old in the Lord. You 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 could you could you could have you could have committed the horrible crime of stunting your growth and never growing and just being a baby in the Lord. But but you you drive a four by four that costs seventy thousand dollars, but you're still a baby. It has nothing to do with age. The maturity of our church is not related to longevity. The maturity of our church is related to the spiritual growth that we've allowed God to produce. And we're we're not look, we're not sitting there helpless anymore. We're not sitting there pooping on ourselves. And getting, and getting stuff all over the bib. You got the graphic picture yet? No, this, 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 this kid's walking now. This kid's walking. And it's, grow, and it's about to grow fast. And I'm not even talking about number. I don't even care about that. I don't care about number. It's about to grow fast. It's going to be hitting puberty soon. It's gonna be ready to reproduce. You you staying with the graphic here you you staying with it? I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be derogatory. This thing is supposed to grow and reproduce itself. But if you don't learn how to dig your own well, You'll just be, your face will just be a memory in my mind. Hey, whatever happened to that that, that lady that was coming? Didn't she take the the NG Basics class? Did she ever get in a small group? Did they ever get plugged in? Where are they at? Hey, y'all, where's everybody at? What? Oh, I know what happened. People bring the buckets on Sunday morning and they want to drink out of my well. Sunday mornings ain't so you can drink out of my well. Sunday mornings is so I can teach you how to dig your own. Because he doesn't know how to dig his own yet. So you better figure out how to dig one so he can drink out of it. And then one day, hand him the shovel so he can dig his own well. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? You don't need a program to dig your well. No. You got a shovel. You, got it. you are as saved as I am. When Jesus looks at you, you're as clean as I am. I'm serious. You're, you're as clean. Like, like if you're in Christ, yes. if you've trusted his death, burial, and resurrection, that was the criteria for you to become a new creature in Christ. Now, if you've done that, the Bible says me and you are as saved as saved gets. So I've got the same access that you've got. You've got the same access that I have, and the whole goal of this experience is to give you a shovel for you to dig your own well because sinners are dying of thirst and you know where the water is. And the lie is, the last time you drank from the well was the last time you drank from the well. I want to tell you the last time you drank from the well was not the last time you drank from the well. The water, I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how much dirt's gotten in the way. I don't care how much debris has gotten in the way. I don't care how damned it looks. God told me to tell you this morning, you are able to build and drink your own well. You're able to dig your own well. And no matter how long it's been, the water is still there. Now, somebody help me give him some praise. <laughs> if you notice, my shovel is dirty. Dirty, because I've been digging. Woe to the man or woman that has a clean shovel. You better have a dirty shovel. This means you've been busy digging stuff out. The devil doesn't want you to dig your own well. Well, why the Bible says in Genesis 26 that they had to strive to dig those wells. The herdmen of the valley of Gerar came against them and opposed them. In great opposition, they had to keep digging deep until they finally found a well that was open. Satan ain't going to fight you over dry ground. Satan will fight you where he knows the water is. The devil ain't afraid of you when you're dehydrated and depleted and weak and carnal and corrupt. He ain't afraid of you. The devil gets nervous when you get filled. He gets nervous when you're full. Not running on empty, when you're full. Because he knows what this well water does. He knows the anointing that comes with this well water. And he knows that when you're anointed, you're a force to be reckoned with.